Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. about life without judgment. We take a look at society, we examine it, and we allow for the possibility of something new, something different. And now, here's your host, Alan Ritter. Welcome, everyone, to this Sunday night, 16th of December. It's almost Christmas. Interesting. Very near to my second anniversary day of having a radio podcast, having a live podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank... Terry Power and Robin McKean for giving me that opportunity and this opportunity to have the ability to support other people, express um, my viewpoints and my visions, and to discuss with um, people who call in um, what they think. And tonight is a program that I encourage those of you who are listening now to call into to talk about things that are on your mind, to react to what I'm saying. And the number here is 646-564-9714. I had one topic already picked out for tonight, and I was sort of thinking... Which way would I go? And I think I'll start with with that topic. So today I saw a posting of a video of people testing a tasting the first test tube grown meat. And strikes me as uh, strange from several, um, at several levels. So the first level that it strikes me strange is from a nutritional perspective, 
Meat is a colossal waste of time. And I know folks have eaten it for X number of years, but it's still a negative nutritional event because of... Because, okay, you're eating that to get proteins and the rest of the nitrogen-containing protein, the animal protein, you can't use. So that's waste product number one. And then there's a whole pile of animal fat, and you can't use that. So it, we wind up having a great amount of waste product, which you have to uh, excrete. And it's worse because it's nitrogen-containing. The protein that's waste is nitrogen-containing. And you can look at our excretory system, human excretory system, and say we really place a high priority on excreting nitrogen or our excretory system announces to us how toxic nitrogenous waste is because of the high priority that places on peeing it out as quickly as possible. And you can say, someone says to you, how do you tell if you're fully hydrated or well hydrated? You, um, your urine is very lightly colored. It's almost clear. Whereas if you're dehydrated, it's very yellow or or in some cases, in some bad cases of um, dehydration, it can be brown. Greeted there is urea, which contains nitrogen, which is basically the body uh, creating urea from the nitrogenous waste, the proteins, various other sources of nitrogen in the body, mostly protein breakdown, and excreting it. So if you're eating a lot of nitrogenous um, immediate waste, which is animal products give you a lot of immediate nitrogenous waste, you're overloading the the nutrition, you're overloading your excretory capability and you get a buildup. And I would say, I don't know whether I can say the majority of Western illness, but certainly a great percentage of Western illness is due to, not due to fat, because fat's fine. It's not due to carbohydrates, because carbohydrates are plant. It's due to um, nitrogenous, it's due to nitrogen waste self-poisoning, which is from eating animals. So if you remove almost, if you remove all or almost all of animal products from your diet, your health changes drastically because you don't have this issue anymore. So that's the first, um, the first thing that, so basically they're saying, okay, we can remove your guilt for, from for killing animals by giving you this test tube uh, animal flesh that we're going to grow for you. Okay. So that's a 
um, you know, they're giving you the same, uh, they're uh, catering to the same Western um, disease suffering uh, uh, protocols. They're um, not changing the economy, which is a medical, a medical, a chronic medical issue economy based on self-poisoning. And one of the self-poisoning uh, drugs of choice, of course, is animal products. So that's thing one with test tube uh, meats. Test tube meats thing two is, I would venture to say that just like the introduction of our other um, not in nature grown items, or altered natural items, altered natural items, that altered natural items are these items that um, humans in their wisdom have seen fit to say, okay, we're going to move them over and do this to them and then market them to you. I'm wondering if the body... Uh, will have a subtle uh, interpretation of this new product as being not food. Let me tell you a short story what I mean by that. So there's a very famous farmer um, who I've discussed with, uh, talked about before, whose name is Bob Kennard, and he farms in the Petaluma area of California, it's uh, a Mediterranean climate. It's very interesting, um, very warm. Uh, his high growing season is actually in the winter when he grows a lot of greens. So he told a story, which I've related prior to this on this same uh, podcast, where as you decrease the soil fertility, certain crops are not able to grow any longer. They only grow above a certain, they only grow within a certain lower, they grow above a certain lower limit and below a certain upper limit. So if you get above that upper limit, that crop won't grow anymore. So the issue was, is that farmers in the United States, and I'm not sure if it was around the world, but farmers, especially in the United States, had degraded their soil so much, they were no longer able to grow mainstay crops, mainstay crops being corn and wheat and soy. So what the what Bob Kennard said happened was this was a of course Okay, you can do one or two, one of two things. You can either uh, bring fertility to the ground and uh, upgrade the fertility of the ground, and the crops will grow just fine. Or you can say, um, we need to do something to the seed. We need to somehow lower the um, the seed's natural uh, fertility that it grows at so that it can still grow 
but it doesn't it's it's less demanding on the fertility of the soil so they tried a bunch of experiments they basically irradiated the seed they poisoned the seed they put motor oil on it they did all kinds of other things to the seed to see if they could then plant that seed so they try um, protocol A, B, C, D on a bunch of seed. They try D, E, F on a bunch of seeds. They try all kinds of different protocols on all these different seeds, and they do massive um, seed plantings of each one of the protocols. And, of course, what they're looking for is they're looking for can the seed grow in the poor fertility soil? And then can it... Um, um, grow to maturity, have a seed come from its uh, fruit, from its grain fruit, that will um, continue to grow for the next generation. Did we do little enough to it that it still um, perpetuates itself? And of course, you have to have a crop. You have to have fruit. You have to have grain coming out of the crop. Okay, so they did that. They did. They had a successful experiment. They were able to reduce the demands of these crops, these main crops, and they were able to continue growing them. Well, the issue was is that they changed the plant because what grew between uh, fertility A and fertility B now grew between a lowered fertility range, it wasn't the same animal. And then, lo and behold, what do you start getting? You start getting people's gastrointestinal system. You start getting humans basically putting that in their mouth from breads, from soy products, etc., etc. And the body starts looking at it and certain people don't have a problem with it that we can detect. But other people have reactions to it. Hey, the body's saying, this isn't really wheat, or this isn't really soy. And the body basically says, I'm going to have this reaction. Well, so-and-so has this reaction. And so and so over here has a little bit of a different uh, genetic background, has a different reaction. And they're going to doctors, and doctors are diagnosing person A with this, person B with something completely different, person C with something completely person B with something completely different. But they're all having a reaction to the same source problem, which is that the um, altered food product. Later on, what's coming out or what the uh, what I assume or I conjecture, this is only my conjecture, what I conjecture is um, there's a story created later on. We're going to go in and um, alter the DNA of these crops and then they point to that and say, oh, you shouldn't eat GMO wheat, or you shouldn't eat GMO corn. As sort of a cover story, 
to what they had done previously because they know something's wrong with it because they've seen in 40 years of testing of you know population ingesting their 1950s altered plants that there's an issue. So what they do is they come out with an official story, hey, in the 1980s or the 1990s, we started making BT corn or we started making so-and-so wheat um, that can be sprayed with round, Roundup Ready XYZ. Whereas what they're probably doing or possibly doing, in my opinion, again, from what I've seen, just my opinion, covering for what they did previously. So where does this fall forward and get us looking at this test tube meat? When you put that in your mouth, and you put that in the mouths of a hundred million different people, a certain number of those people aren't going to have any outward symptoms. Hey, this is different. But a certain number of them will. How and how long will that um, uh, physiological um, symptom take to crop up? And how long, you know, and, and person A is going to have A, person B. There's basically going to be a rainbow of possibilities throughout the population. And no one is ever going to point back to, hey, it was this test tube meat. Because by then, in 40 years, it'll be part of the culture. They're saying, well, I'm glad I eat test tube meat because, you know, back in the bad old, you know, 19-whatevers in the early 2000, you know, century, we used to harm animals. But now we have this test tube meat. But you have all these some medical <laughs> symptoms that you didn't have before. So that brings us to sort of a starting gate for what I am really wanting to talk about tonight. And that's... You can see these things. You see aspartame and its outcomes. You see... Um, modern, quote-unquote, modern pharmacopoeia medicines and their outcomes. You see um, Tylenol and Excedrin and Aspirin and antibiotics and other things like that. You see the experiments with food and you know what the outcome is. But, and you're ready to make a move away from that. But there is, the vast majority of the population is just saying, title of tonight's talk, which is, can we have some more candy, please, Daddy? We'll t- we'll, um, regardless of your past history of um, 
lying to our faces and or 50 years after the fact saying, oh, what we told you 50 years ago was a fabrication. We're very sorry. Um, but then basically shrugging at you and saying, what can we do about it? Not very much, right? So with this long, long, really long history of falsification, um, creating an economy based on nothing, because you introduce these things into the population, create a pharma medical disaster, there's all of this economy that we're having now based on all of these symptoms, all these drugs flying around, people just having like 30 pills they had to take in the morning. That blip in the GDP, that upswing in the GDP, which is now a national security issue and must be maintained, based on not on some evil machinations of somebody poisoning the, the populace. It's actually based on the populace's semi-willful ignorance. I'll never look at you and say that you lied to me, darling. You can't possibly lie to me. Time. We're still accepting it. And so... People who can see it need to look themselves in the mirror. And they need to say, I'm not the same as these other people. I don't need to try to save these other people because I don't know how long they need to keep going through the experience. I don't even know if they're a temptation for me to try to throw someone a life raft and pull them in. But for my own sake, time to understand that the people who, the people who can't see are developing their character. The people that can see who are tempted to ties shouldn't be proselytizing, shouldn't be preaching, shouldn't be wasting your time. Because if they can hear you, they don't need you because there's plenty of voices and there's plenty of videos. If they can hear you, they don't need you. And if they can't hear you, you're wasting your time. So I'm going to summarize what I just said on the other side of the break and go into my second topic for the night. See you on the other side of the break.
morning Round the first of May A man in black came walking Into a wooden glade Following the sounds of pipes On this beautiful spring day High from the music that they made But what beheld him Within that place A look of recognition Fell across his face Oh Lucifer, oh Lucifer Why do you appear to me? For I am a man of God A priest I'm no devil Yeah. 
tune in to International Pagan Radio. You can hear your favorite artists such as Dave the Bard, Tuatha Dea, Spiral Rhythm, S.J. Tucker, Murphy's Midnight Rounders, and many, many more. Join us for exciting shows like Ask a Witch and Storytime with Rook as well. www.internationalpaganradio.com on the net or on TuneIn Radio on your mobile devices. Join us on Facebook and Twitter too. International Pagan Radio, all pagan, all the time. Welcome back to an emerging forest on the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. We hope everyone was able to stretch their legs and get a drink. And now, back to Alan. Welcome back. And what I'd like to do now is I'd like to summarize a little bit and sort of draw some conclusions or generalize upon what I said in the first segment of the show. So, in general, there seems to be, the the population that we see out there seems to be really enthusiastic about each and every uh, new and similar ploy that um, they're given for entertainment. And a certain small, much, much smaller segment of the population is just looking at that new um, fad or new uh, piece of uh, information or new product and saying, my goodness, this is just like the product that was introduced X number of years ago and it's going to have um, this impact. It's not well, it's not forward-looking. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't serve the goals of the person who's actually taking it apart. It serves the goals of the person who's saying, "Oh, thank you so much for this new um, phone. This new um, uh, uh, fake burger. This new source of protein." this new drink, uh, this new processed food product, this new fast food chain, um, this um, irradiated food product that can sit on the shelf for 100 years, um, the, these um, large sets of um, drugs from the um, pharmaceutical companies that can treat condition A, B, C, and D or, or have some effect on condition A, B, C, and D um, to maintain you in, a, in an ill state, but at least you'll have a, a certain quality of life. Some people are interested in that life and some people are not interested in that life. And the, the people most of the people who are not interested in that life 
are still interested in the envelope of staying in that society and what they want to do or what I have seen most people uh, who get it try to do is they try to save other people or they say the only way pointing at yourself I'm going to make it or I'm going to affect society is then pointing at them to save these people so that we can um, have like lots of people who change our society And so, as I said in the first part of the show before the break, if they can hear you, they don't need to hear you. And if they can't hear you, you're wasting your time. So staying someplace in justice still means that you're buying the society, that you're buying the government envelope, that you're buying the banking envelope, that you're buying part of the society because maybe you don't see it as being part of the issue. And what I'd like you to I'd like to encourage you to think about, and maybe that's part of my problem because if you can hear me and understand what I'm talking about, you don't need me. And if you can't hear me, I'm wasting my time. So the the logic of the of what I presented tonight is that I'm sort of wasting my time talking about these things, that I should be um, doing other things. But I have a program every Sunday night. <laughs> Therein lies the rub, right? So I hope this first segment was interesting to you and I'm actually going to mark the end of this first segment and the beginning of the second segment um, with the peace prayer see you in a minute there is one power in the universe and we are perfect manifestations of that power. And as such, we pray. We pray for peace. We pray for love. We pray for stability. We pray for the nation in which we live. We pray for the world. We will it. We manifest it. We draw it to us. We receive it. We accept it. And we give thanks for it. And by our will, so mote it be.
Well, thank you. And now on to the second topic of the night. And if you're out there, hello, if you're out there and you want to be on this show, please call me at 646-564-9714 and you will be immediately hugging with me on the air. So the second topic that I would like to talk about, let me get my notes, my notes, uh, is I believe that we're here to work on ourselves because that's the person that we can change. Person, we have freedom to change. So there's a lot of restriction, a lot of stories that we take on about who we are. And I'd like to address some of the obvious ones and then address some of the less obvious ones. So, some of the obvious ones are race, religion, nation, country of origin, cultural background, and then some of the uh, things we take it, uh, have as identity from the condition of our body. Do we have any chronic conditions? Do we have any um, limitations on ourselves in that way? Do we have chronic conditions of the body? Do we have chronic conditions of the mind? Those are sort of the obvious ones, the obvious things that are, we can look at it and we can say, I'm having an adventure and I'm gathering a lot of information in this area. And I'm a researcher reading a book through having an experience about this, but I'm not that. I'm a traveler in the body and the body is having this experience. Then there are some of the less obvious. um, So you can look at each each of these things and say because I have this fixed storyline about myself. Society expects me to act in the following way. It's a social expectation. And some of and possible to take this social expectation inside yourself 
and see that social expectation as your own. Instead of saying, I don't have a social expectation in that area. So let's take, for example, relationships. For a very long time, I've had the social expectation and still have it to some extent because it's very, um, very powerful. I have had the expectation that I should meet a woman and that we should have a relationship. And built on um, the enjoyment of having a family, the enjoyment of um, having a wedding ceremony, the enjoyment of being with someone of like mind for many years. It's also built on the body's uh, interest in orgasm as a as an addiction as a um, as a release and it's built on basically a, a support mechanism where you have someone else to go through things with a very very powerful um, drive wish um, many many things in your many things in your um, stack of accomplishments are based on that central goal of having that in your life. And if it was supposed to be in my life, it would have been there by now. And so what I've had to do is I've had to say. Hey, Alan, is this a social expectation that has your mind inflexible and you need to work on yourself in order to remove it from being such a driving force in your life? Now, I don't go to bars. I don't go out that much socially. That important to me. But I feel that it's missing in my life. And uh, to one extent or another, I'm envious of people who have it. But I have to be honest with myself. And I have to say, Alan, if it was supposed to be in your life, if it was your bliss, if it was your time to have that, it would be in your life. You're not here this time, today, or in the past 50-some-odd years. It was not the time, so it didn't happen. but it's a story that's there in my life. Another story in my life was my father's 
um, looking, respecting my father. And just it was unstated. I I didn't state it, but I respected my father a great deal. And he had a PhD as an academic person from university. And whether it was to measure up to my father or whether it was because I was interested, I think it was probably a little bit of interest and a little bit of, you know, I should be much of a quote-unquote man as my father, so I should just go and, and achieve this um, this goal in, in life. So I, that caused me to achieve chemistry as a as a, a passion to go to graduate school to get a PhD in chemistry to get a job in the aerospace industry because of my degree in chemistry. Now all of those things were the right thing at the right time, but now that I look back on key mystery as a made-up concept, and I look at the society now as being a made-up, much-ado-about-nothing, including its sciences, I can shed that. And I can look at the attitudes that drove me to achieve it and say, those are interesting attitudes, and I would have been able to shed them if I knew. But now that I do know, now that I'm able to look back on that attitude and understand that it caused me to spend 40 years achieving a goal and a finger snap to see the riddle, And I wouldn't have to do it again because now I understand the riddle. Once you understand the wisdom by having gone through the hard, the blissful experience of learning the, the, um, the structure of the riddle, you can look at other things in your life and look at other riddles in your life and you can say, well, now that I see how the money system works, now that I see how the medical system, pharma, pharmacological, pharmaceutical, medical, industrial complex works, now that I see how that works, can I look over here at another part of the economy but now that I understand this part of my own personal psychological make how this lust after achieving the same as my father drove me to learn a subject that I now know is fallacious, 
what other attitudes am I still holding on to from a society that no longer serves me? And as I pull those my soul, I move further and further away from the society that I was born in, that I was a client of, or that I skated along the edges of for 50 years. This knows how many years the previous lives. Uh, looking over at the, you know, whether the volume is on, I'm like, thank God the volume is on. So I'm actually recording this this week. Missed a few weeks, a few minutes of um, recording in past weeks. So life becomes a work to achieve some goals, but also looking at what I'm working toward and why I'm holding the, um, the focus. What is the focus? Is this focus an old society focus or is this focus something that's completely new? And if the if the pride I feel is based on being an American, I need to dig into that. If pride is based on a religion of state, uh, traditional religion, I need to dig into that. If the pride or the or the sensibility that I'm holding um, is a scientific one, I definitely need to dig into that. So I I echo the spirit of this um, network, Spiritual Unity Radio Network, which says all aspects of the divine are equally valid. So I don't look at other people and say that person's not doing the right thing because how can they help but be doing the right thing? What I say tonight causes you to scratch your chin and say, hi, I see some of the... I see the... I see how I thought the universe functions, but now I see more um, connections. I'm not here to tell you my story and have you say, oh, that's interesting, I see your story. I'm here to tell you my story a little bit, but then say, but I was holding this attitude and X number of years down the line, I was able to dissolve that attitude or I respected the heck of both of my parents when I was a kid. 
but now that I'm actually able to um, look back on them with possibly a little bit clearer sight, they were fine people. Um, they were both, in my mind, really focused in on one thing to the point of not being really functional people. Now, I don't look at myself and say I'm super functional, but I get things done, and I move on. And they didn't get things done, and they didn't move on. But let's be chill about this. They weren't supposed to. They were supposed to hover in one area because that's what they were doing. They did a lot of other crazy stuff, behaved in crazy ways, but also behaved in very responsible ways in, in, in a lot of facets. Um, but we weren't able to say, okay, we need to separate, and in order for us both to be happy, we need to move on. They, you know, make some household repairs. They got around to them. Now that's fine because all aspects of the divine are equally valid. I sincerely hope this program helps someone. Someone is out there and they say, I mean, the main pedestal upon the main foundation upon which I sit is we're all okay where you are. Out beyond the right the out beyond the notions of right doing and wrongdoing, there is a field only there attributed to the sage, the Sufi sage Rumi, or the place where you are right now, God circled on a map for you, attributed to the Sufi sage Hafiz. You take those two with you and try to break them with your mind, because your mind loves puzzles. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Uh, my name is Alan Witter. I can be reached at R-I-T-T-E-R period A-L-A-N 88 at gmail.com. I run a small produce distribution business, a co-op in southern New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania region. Um, I can be found on Facebook, produceclub.us, or you can also email me at the address I just gave you. Please work on your passions. Please work on yourself. Um, if you want to take value out of what I said tonight, um, move on from the proselytization and examine your own attitudes a little more closely. Have a great night. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>